0: Hey, this is Sean Mandoli, and I'm the pastor of Sanctuary LA, and you're listening to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this message encourages and inspires you. Remember to follow us on social media, at my Sanctuary LA, and enjoy the message. We're just so glad to, to be here. Um, pastor Sean has been dealing with the subject of holy ground, and uh, I told him that I will remain in that, that, that space and uh, share what the Lord has given me concerning it. And so if you would open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 3, we're going to start there, and we'll see if we get over to Matthew, chapter 6, um, uh, but uh, we'll start in, in, Genesis, uh, in uh, the book of Exodus, Exodus, chapter 3. Now, if you're over where the, uh, the words are read, you're in the wrong place. Uh, you want to turn all the way over. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. Exodus speaks to the coming out of, coming out from. And uh, uh, I always believe, amen, that every day that we wake up, it should be intentional. It's always God's idea in his heart that we come out from wherever it is. Uh, we are not the people that are trying to get victory. The cross of Jesus Christ has already secured our victory. We work from the place of victory. We don't work to try to get victory. The victory is already ours. The enemy is defeated. The devil is alive. The word of God is a working word. God's word is warring for us. He has no rivals. He has no equal. Uh, The devil is not uh, side by side with him. He is above all. He is greater than anything that has ever existed. He is a mighty God. He is not a weak God. doesn't have a bad hair day. He's not pacing back and forth across the throne, wringing his hands, trying to figure out what is he going to do with your life? What is he going to do with your situation? He's a mighty God. He's got all things under his feet. And he told us that all things are under our feet for those of us that walk in him, for those of us that live in him. And it does not mean that things don't happen to your life. It does not mean that you're not assaulted. It does not mean that you will not be up under attack. It does not mean that you will not be up under fire. I am thoroughly convinced if that of nobody is shooting at you it just simply means that you're not in the war and so I encourage myself by knowing that if I'm being assaulted if I'm up under attack it must mean that I must be doing the right thing it must mean that I must be living right it must mean that I must be doing something right it must mean that I've got God's attention in his heart because the enemy would never come against a bag lady He'd never come against somebody that has nothing and I came to tell somebody in the room today that I want to challenge you I want to encourage you I want to bless you on today to let you know that your God is God. Uh, He's absolutely on the throne. He is in charge. The devil is always the devil, but he's the devil under God's control. And so, we don't wrestle with what God's going to do. We know that all things work together. Where's Joseph when you need him? Joseph, what would you say? What would be your testimony? He would say that, listen, man, I, I grew up in a house where my brothers hated me. I was favored of my father, but I was hated in my own house. And he says, my brothers tried to kill me, but God wouldn't let them kill me. Anybody in the Room, went through some stuff that you can't really tell nobody about, but you know that it's nobody but God that you're still here today, breathing and moving and living. I may not be talking to everybody, amen, because I know everybody don't go through the same thing, but I'm here to tell you, I know what it's like to have a shotgun right up in my face, amen, and it was just God that dude didn't pull the trigger. I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night, halfway up under the bed, uh, just laying in vomit, and it's a good thing, amen, that God didn't let the alcohol take me out. I just want you to know that I'm blessed, and it's not because my name is Johnny. It's not because I'm a pastor at Sanctuary. It's not because my mama's name is Candy. I'm blessed because there was a man that went to the cross. He was the Christ and he nailed every habit, every issue, every struggle, every drama, every trauma that I've ever experienced. He nailed it to the cross and so regardless of what I go through my God is on the throne. His promises are true. The devil is a liar. Greater is he that's in you. It has nothing to do with the way you feel. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And I might get a little rowdy because that's just what I do. When I start talking about God, when I start talking about because I've seen people at the baseball game, dude just swung a bat, hit the ball over the fence, and everybody in the auditorium or everybody in the stands knock over beer, uh, knock over popcorn, step on somebody's foot, all because somebody hit a ball over the fence. Well, I need to tell somebody in the room that we always win. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. And so, you're looking at a winner, you're sitting next to a winner, just look around the room for a minute, just take a minute and look around the room. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. just take a room. You're looking at a winner, you're looking at somebody that has the victory. You're looking at somebody and has nothing to do with the way they feel, has nothing to do with what's in your bank account, it has nothing to do with what you're going through in your marriage, it has nothing to do with what you're going through in your mind. God has already settled it, it's a done deal. In fact, the fight is fixed. Amen. You win. You win. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever go through something and it looked like you wasn't going to come out of it, but look at you sitting here, looking at me. Look at you looking pretty. Look at you feeling good. Look at you, your hair did, all that stuff. You know why? Because God never lets the enemy celebrate over those that belong to him. God is a good God. He's a great God and he'll never turn you over to the will of your enemy. I'll just preach all by myself. I'm telling you, man. I, sometimes I have to just remind myself. I get up in the middle of the night, sometimes I get up early in the morning, and I have to remind myself because of things that I go through, because there's always a challenge, and no matter how you uh, desire to live for God, there's always going to be an enemy that tries to distract you, that tries to get you off course. There's always going to be an enemy that tries to remind you of your past. There's always going to be an enemy that tries to remind you that you don't feel so saved today, do you? And and, and in your mind and in your heart, you're thinking, no, I really don't don't feel so saved today, but it has nothing to do with the the way you feel. We walk by faith, and we do not walk by sight. We don't walk by how we feel about it. We don't walk by what we see about it. We walk by what he has said, and what he has said is going to manifest itself in what we see. So I just want to encourage somebody, just hold on. Just keep on holding on. Keep on standing in faith. Keep on trusting God. The best is yet to come. The rest is yet to come. The enemy is under your feet. God's word is working. The enemy has has been defeated, and to God be the glory. Will you put a praise on it right there? Come on, come on, come on, come on. He's an absolutely incredible God, amen. And so let's get into this word, amen, in the book of Exodus. I'm going to read beginning at verse 1, and then we'll just kind of walk ourselves through this. The Bible says, beginning at verse 1, Exodus chapter 3, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. And so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight which, the, which and, and as to why the bush is not burning. It's interesting, amen, that oftentimes God will allow us to see things in our natural lives that will draw our attention and our focus and draw us close to God. Some of us are at church because we just had an interest. You know, I, I, I always thought that church was for fat people. I always thought church was for old people. I always thought church was for people that couldn't fit into society as a little kid, I just want you to know that sin carries a certain amount of ignorance with it. And so I was a little ignorant about it. I didn't know that people were going to church because their lives were being changed. I didn't know that people were going to church because loads were being lifted off their shoulders. I didn't know that people were going to church because Jesus was a savior that saved lives and broke bondage and rebuked demons and devils and caused people to be set free. And so uh, I was one of those guys that I just happened to turn into the direction of God and God snatched my attention. Now, it wasn't a burning bush for me. It was a young girl by the name of Sheila Farmer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't interested in God, but her mama made her go to church. And because her mama made her go to church, I was gonna be the good dude to be the twinkle in the mama's eye and just go to church. I wasn't interested in Jesus. I was just interested in Sheila. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But it was the burning bush that caught Moses' attention. It was Sheila Farmer that caught my attention. And God used that platform to get my attention. And now here I am in LA preaching. I remember uh, my aunt used to say to me, Johnny boy, you're going to be a preacher. And I used to think to myself, I didn't tell her this because of course we grew up respecting our our elders. Uh, She would say, Johnny boy, you're going to be a preacher. And I think to myself, man, auntie is on some good dope. And I wish she would give me some of it. But, but she would say that because they saw things. And it was interesting that I wasn't like this dude that was down and out. I wasn't even this guy that was up and out. But I was this dude that was chasing after this cute little tiny girl that had a big mouth. And I went to church with her. And the Lord put his hands on me and melted me in the middle of the floor. Save me. And so this is, oftentimes, you have no idea, why am I here? Why am I, after going through all the hell that I'm going through, the hell, the, the no water, the low water, the issues that I'm going through, why am I searching? Why am I, why am I of interest? And oftentimes, the interest is just that God has some way got your attention. And so in the scripture, God is getting the attention of Moses. Now, there are times where God will get your attention because sometimes God will land on situation. Sometimes, God will land on certain things. I remember God getting my mother's attention. She was given 24 hours to live she was sick and she was dying and she was given 24 hours to live. I just happened to serve up under a pastor that believed in laying hands on the sick, anointing them with oil. I I, I surrounded myself with people that had meetings with God. He happened to be one of them. He came to the hospital one day and I called him on my way there and I'm crying and I said, pastor, uh, the doctor has given my mom 24 hours to live and when he gets to the hospital he has a little vial of oil and he anoints my mother's head with oil for the scripture declares if any sick among you let them call for the elders of the church let them anoint them with oil pray the prayer of faith and the Lord will forgive their sins and the Lord would raise them up and he was just a man that he didn't know Greek he didn't know Hebrew he wasn't this profound preacher but the devil knew who he was and God recognized him he laid hands on my mother, and 24 hours turned into three years on her life. And it's simply because, and, and it got her attention. I remember hearing her say things that she had never said before. I remember hearing her mention God. It got her attention. And so God is getting the attention of this man by the name of Moses. The bush is burning, and verse Verse uh, 3 says, then Moses said, I will turn and see, turn aside and see what this great sight in the bush is that doesn't, uh, while it's not burning. And so when the Lord saw that he turned and looked, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. I'm not sure if that's the way God sounded, but in my mind, that's how he sounded. Moses, Moses. And the Lord called unto him and said, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off of your feet. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. I noticed when I came in that Miss Jennifer had her shoes off. Yeah. He He said, stand right where you are. Don't come any closer. And then he tells him to take your shoes off. Because where you are standing is holy ground. What God is saying is that I am not to be approached any kind of way. When you approach me, you have to approach me and recognize who I am. You, you just don't step into my presence any kind of way. It's, 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 an, it's an interesting text. I can't stay there. And he says, take your shoes off your feet, for where you are standing is holy ground. When, when I read that, the Lord spoke to me concerning this house, and I want to read to you what he says. The Lord was speaking to me when I just read it, and he says, I want you to know, Sanctuary L.A., that the subject that Pastor Sean is dealing with, holy ground, is a prophetic preparation. A prophetic preparation for what he is about to do within the walls of this ministry what he's about to do with the ministry gifts that are here, what he is about to do not just collectively, but individually. And I want to encourage you individually to get ready, to get prepared for what God wants to do. The thing that makes me hungry for God's anointing is that I grew up around men. Listen to me. I came from the street. I came from the hood. I came from the ghetto. We lived all around L.A. We were always the new kids on the block we were always moving to a new school. I was always just an introvert because I didn't know how to do anything else because we were always around people new because my mom was always moving. She was raising four boys all by herself. And she was always trying to upgrade the places that we were living in. And so we were always the new kids on the block. The powerful thing about it is that when I came to a church, I got around people who had meetings with God. I got around people that who were serious about who Jesus was. And it wasn't that they were just serious about it because they knew Genesis, the Revelation, and that they could quote scripture. But they demonstrated the power of God. That's not something that we talk about very often. Paul said that when I came to you, I came not with enticing words of men's wisdom. Because I did not want your faith to stand in the wisdom of another man's word. But he said that when I came to you, I came in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. In other words, he says that when I showed up in a room, God manifested himself through his power, not just the preaching of the word, but through his power. And so I surrounded myself. And so wonder, no wonder my mom would, g- got healed because I surrounded myself with not just somebody that would preach a word, but somebody that says that I'm going to show up and the demonstration of God's power is going to be released in a room. In a room like this, the demonstration of God's power will be released and all it takes is just one man. It's interesting that God would call Moses. It's interesting that he didn't call a crew. It's interesting that he didn't call the whole front row. It's interesting that he didn't call everybody, but he told a man, I sought for a man that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge, he says, and I found none. But he says that I am looking for a man. He's looking, and when I say a man, I'm not talking about a man. I'm talking about a man or a woman. And God is looking for somebody that would say like Moses did, here I am, here I am. Somebody said, God, here I am, send me. I know I'm not much. I know I don't know Genesis, the Revelation. I know that I've never been to Bible school. And God is not trying to find somebody that's been to school. In fact, I've discovered that God doesn't call those that are qualified. God qualifies those that he calls. He puts his hand in your back, and if you would submit yourself to him, he will use you. And so I want to encourage you even through this word to understand that just like Moses standing before the presence of God, God wants to use you. There's a bird that God is framing and making and the bird looks at God and says, God, when you get to my wings, can you make my wings pretty? I want my wings to be really feathery. And God says, no, I'm going to give you bone in your wings. He says, no, God, don't give me bone in my wings. I I want fluff. I want pretty. I want easy. I want nice. I want to be able to look at my left wing and say, "Woo! look at how pretty my wing are. I want to look at my right wing and say, oh, look at how pretty, how wonderful God made my wings. And God says, no, I'm not going to give you pretty wings. I am going to put bone in your wings. But he said, God, I just want fluff. Isn't it interesting? There's so many people, they just want fluff. They just want easy. They just want comfortable. But the call of God for those of us that are going to be uniquely used by God, it's not going to be an easy cake walk. He said, I want, I want to put bone in your wing. He said, because of where I'm going to take you and the levels that you're going to soar, the levels of life that you're going to experience, because of you're not just going to be a chicken. See, a chicken just kind of stays on the ground. I've never seen a chicken fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've seen an eagle spread his wings. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No wonder God tells us that we are like the eagle. We spread our wings. Amen. But he says that I'm going to cause you to soar because of what I'm going to do with your life. You're going to have to have bone. Because of what I'm going to do in your life, you're going to have to have structure. Because of what I'm going to do in your life, you're going to have to have stability. You're going to have to have strength because the tsunamis and the storms that are going to come to your life, you're going to have to have the strength in your wings to be able to soar through those things. I know I'm talking to somebody that's got a sore in your chest, somebody that knows, man, that life. Life is more than just this. Somebody that's expecting and anticipating a higher height, a deeper depth in God. Somebody that realizes that I might be sitting here today, but I know that this is not all that there is. There is more to God. There's more to God than this. There's greater levels. There's the next thing that God wants to do. Not not just right now, but God wants to do great things, and he wants to move in his power and in his authority. And I know that God wants to use me. Is there anybody in the room that wants to be used by God? I just want to check the room because there's somebody here that you feel a pull in you. You feel a reach in you. You feel God reaching at you, feel God tugging at you. You hear God saying that, listen, I need you to get in a place where I can speak to you. I'm a speaking God, and I've got a word that I want to speak into your life that's going to cause you to soar like eagles. It's a word that's going to cause you to change lives and cause things that are broken to be restored and to cause things that are going on in your life to be restored, God is the God that's about to restore the places. And so he calls this man, and all it takes is one man. I've discovered that every time God had a move that he wanted to do in a generation, he just picked out one person. He picked out a Moses. He picked out a Joshua. When he said, I'm going to move and I'm going to shift generations and I'm going to change things. He just picked out one. You just might be the one. In fact, you might just be sitting next to the one that is the one. Look around the room. Look around the room. Look around the room. You might just be sitting next, right next to the next Billy Graham. You just might be sitting right next to the next mover and shaker. You might just be sitting right next to the one that the nations are going to know that your God is God because you committed yourself and submitted yourself to who He is. And what you want him to do in your life. And so he says, Listen, he says, verse 8, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to even look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen Egypt. He's a seeing God. I've seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard, not only has he seen, but he hears. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt and to bring them from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel have come up to me, and I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people out, the children of Israel, out of Israel or out of Egypt. And so what God is saying is that, listen, not only am I calling you, but I'm giving you an assignment. Not only am I giving you assignment, but I am appointing you, anointing you to do the next thing that I want to do in this generation. And I think we need to talk about that because it's not just about coming to church and sitting down and warming up a seat. It's not about sitting in a special seat at a special meeting. It's not even about uh, your name being called. It's not even about you being recognized. It's about God saying, can I use you? Can I use you to change a generation? Can I use you to cause bondage to be released? Can I use you to walk into a hospital room where somebody has been given to die of cancer? Can I use you to lay hands on the sick and tell sickness I bind you. I take authority over you and in the name of Jesus. I demand in the name and in the authority of Jesus to go. And I know that that sounds like good preaching Pastor Johnny, but can I just share some things with you? I know what it's like to lay hands on people on an altar. And then they go back to the doctor and the doctor says, we need to take an MRI because we know that you have cancer and we've scheduled the appointment to have both of your breasts removed. And I know what it's like for that person to come right back into church. One week later, not even stopping by the house to put her wig, her weave, her makeup on, she walks into the church with a hospital robe on. She walks into the church with hospital slippers on. She walks into the church with hospital hair, whatever that looks like, and she says, Pastor, can I interrupt the service just for one moment? Can I have the microphone? I just want to tell you that when you came and prayed for me, they rolled me into the MRI. And when they looked at me, the doctor started scratching their head because they could not understand why one x-ray showed your breast filled with cancer, and this x-ray shows that nothing is there. He is a mighty God, and he's still doing miracles. He's still breaking down strongholds. He's still rebuking demons and devils and causing people's lives to be turned upside down, but he doesn't do it in the absence of a man or a woman that says, here I am, God, use me, send me, and I just want to speak to the room because I know the challenges in the room that God is pointing in your direction, and all he's asking for is a surrendered life so that he can use you to cause people to be made free. One of the things that I often struggled with as I was growing up after giving my life to the Lord is that I just kind of struggled with struggle. You know, I lived a certain way all of my life, and now I have to submit myself to the Word of God, to the will of God, and I have to rebuke my flesh. I have to tell my flesh, no, not today you don't. My flesh, amen, I smoked cigarettes for about five, six years before I got saved. Even though God delivered me that same day, time would come and my body would say, uh, I want a cigarette today. Can I have one? And I have to remind my body that I'm saved and God delivered me. And I'm, I, I, I've been delivered from those kinds of things and, and all of that stuff because I had to learn how to submit myself to God, not just my spirit and not just my heart. Because we're, we're quick to say, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible says that he knows that my heart is desperately wicked. Mmm. He knows my heart, and so it's not just about me giving my heart to God. It's about me giving my life to God, and it's about me saying, God, whatever you want to do with my life, use it. Now, to say that is deep. To say that, man, and to to, to mean it means that God says, I'm going to try you. I'm going to test you. I'm going to see if I can trust you with what you promised me. My pastor was a wild man. He would preach like a man from another world. I mean, he would just stop in the middle of preaching and just go into an audience and just lay hands on people, man. And the whole role would be slain in the spirit of God. And people would come back saying, "I, I was healed. I was delivered. And not just me delivered remember when I got to my house, for some reason my husband said that, listen baby, I just took all the alcohol out of the freezer. He said, I don't know what came over me, but somewhere at around 1130 uh, something hit me and, and 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 I just started throwing bottles out. She said 1130. She said 1130 was when the pastor stepped off the pulpit and came down and touched everybody on the aisle and, 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 and I don't know what happened to me. I, I, I It was kind of strange, but I just found myself just kind of opening up my eyes. I don't know what happened to me, but God would use I'm here to tell you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you would let him use you, God will use you. Is there anybody in the room that would say, God, here I am. Use me. Because that's what it's all about. It's not about me getting a TV show. It's not about me making a whole lot of money. But if God wants to give me a whole lot of money, here I am. Here I am. Hello, Jesus. Here I am. But I know that that's not what it's about because I've seen people that have tons of money, but they can't get rid of cancer. I've seen people that have tons of money, and they're working on their fifth divorce. I've seen people that have tons of money, and so money is not the answer. The Bible says that money answers all things. It answers things. I've discovered in my life that the most important things in life are not things. And so God wants to deal with your heart. And so that's the challenge this morning. And so my challenge, oftentimes as I was growing up, is what is my identity? What did God call me to do? Have you ever wondered, God, what are you calling me to do? Am I I just saved to be saved? What What are you calling me to do? And I start studying scripture and understand that when God calls you, he doesn't just call you just so that you can be saved, but he calls you so that he can help you to identify who you are and who you are through him. It speaks to identity. I love what, uh, what, what, what Samson said. Samson is in the lap of Delilah. And Delilah says, Every time I ask you where your strength is, you always give me to run around. Where is your strength? And he was playing games with her. He'd say, Oh, oh if you just tie my hands with some flask, all my strength would be gone. And he said, We tried that and it didn't work. What's, you, 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 you always playing games on me. And he finally told her his heart. He says that if my hair is removed, because I've got a covenant with God, the power is not in my hair. The power is in my covenant with God. If I break the covenant, then I will go out just like any other man, which is an indication that he was not just like any other man. It speaks to identity. Jesus steps up. On the day that he goes into the temple to announce who he is he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and he goes on and then he says today is the scripture fulfilled in your ears in other words he says that I am anointed I know who I am this is who I am it speaks to identity it speaks to who you are and so to come into an understanding of who you are in Christ To understand that it's not just who you are, but whose you are. The reason why I've seen devils come out of people, the reason why I've seen things happen, it's not because of who I am, it's because of whose I am, but I do recognize my identity. I remember going into a church one night, and I just went to a church. I've never been to that church before. I sat in the back. I just went there to get fed because as a pastor, sometimes you just want to be fed. You don't want anything to be required of you. Just go somewhere where nobody knows you. A demon broke out into a young lady in the front, and a brother stood up in the front and, and beckoned me. He said, and I'm on the back seat, and I'm looking around, and I'm trying to figure out who he's. And I get up, and I walk to the front, and I thought to myself, God, you never give me a break. (laughs) But I did say, use me. I did say, use me. When I get to the front, the young lady that I never saw before, she calls me by my name. She says, Johnny, Johnny, you don't want to do this. It's late. I said, devil, shut up and come out of her. What I'm trying to tell you is that it's not just about you knowing who you are. Because when you say yes to God, you are known in three realms. Heaven knows who you are. The devil came out of the sons of Sceva uh, and said, "Uh, Paul, I know, because Paul is filled with the spirit of God. Jesus, I know. But when he spoke to the sons of Sceva, he said, but who are you? What are you about? And so heaven knows you, hell knows you, but it's important that you know you. One of my favorite movies, man, I'm just, I'm just going to talk, amen, and I'm going to be out of your way in just another couple of minutes. I love the movie The Lion King. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and I love cartoons. Don't judge me. In The Lion King, Simba, is hanging out with a warthog and a meerkat. When he's supposed to be singing, I just can't wait to be king, Simba is singing kuna Matata. He's hanging out with friends, but he's not hanging out with other lions that roar. Because of his identity has been challenged. One night he has a vision of his father. He looks up into the heavens. And I was waiting for it in the the, the movie that just came out. And they missed that part. I wanted to call Disney and say the most important part (laughs) was left on the cutting room floor, man. What are you doing? That's the part that gives me goosebumps. He, He looks up into the heavens and Mufasa says to Simba, Simba. You have forgotten me. Simba says, no, Father, I'm not forgotten you. He says, Simba, you have forgotten me. You have forgotten who you are. And because you have forgotten who you are, you have forgotten me. And then he says something powerful. He says, you are not what you have become. He spoke into his identity. And man, when you walk with God, man, there's distractions, there's resistance, there's demonic influence. There's your past that keeps trying to remind you of who you're not. It's your past that's trying to remind you that you were a failure. You remember? Yeah. Simply because you failed does not mean you're a failure. You're not a failure because you failed. You're a failure when you quit. Do I have anybody in the room that decided that I'm not quitting? I'm not a quitter. Can I tell you the best is yet to come? The rest is yet to come. It's not over for you. The reason why you're still sitting here and the reason why you still have breath in your body, the reason why you're still able to move and to have your being is because heaven is not ready for you yet. Heaven is not finished with you yet. The reason why you're still here, I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care how all the wind have been knocked out of you. God is saying, I'm giving you the strength. I'm giving you the capacity. I'm giving you the ability. I'm going to revive you. I'm putting my mouth again your mouth and I'm going to blow into you and to resuscitate you. You're coming back. You're not done. Can I tell you that no matter what you've gone through, what you're going through, the best is yet to come. The rest is yet to come. God is not finished with you. The devil is a liar. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. How do you know this pastor? Because Jesus has decreed it and declared it. He said that nothing shall by any means hurt you. He's not talking about a pastor. He's not talking about a missionary. He's talking about you. He's talking about you. He's talking about you. He's talking about you. you. And he wants you to be reminded that the devil is defeated. He's under your feet. And nothing will be able to stop you or block you because God's got your back. Will somebody give God a praise on it? You have forgotten me. What is it that would make a 450 pound lion submit himself to a man that has a belt and a chair and he only weighs 140 pounds? What would make a lion submit himself to that man? The lion has forgotten who he is. But I'm talking to the lion in the room this morning and to let you know that there is a roar in you. There is a fight in you and the enemy don't like it. And so he always comes to distract you, to get you off course. But I wanna remind you that God has absolutely called you. Moses has a pretty crazy life. Moses, when he is a baby, the Pharaoh decreed that all babies that were two years and under were to be put to death. It was a mass genocide of babies in that day. Moses' mother hid him in a cupboard. The Bible says that she puts him into a little bassinet that she created that would flow on the water. She puts Moses into the water and just pushes the bassinet so that it could just float down the stream. He is surrounded by adders. He is surrounded by alligators. He is surrounded by snakes. He is surrounded by death. But God wouldn't let anything touch him because God has an assignment for his life. Why are you still breathing today? Why are you still living? Some of us have gone through some stuff that we can't even tell nobody about. Why are you still here? Could it possibly be that God has an assignment for your life? Could it be possible that God wouldn't let you die? Could it be possible that God didn't let the sickness kill you? Could it be possible that the family that you grew up in that was a crazy house, La Vida Loca, could it be that God didn't let that thing stop you or block you because you're still here because there's an assignment on your life? I am convinced that I'm still here because there is an assignment on my life. And I'm convinced, amen, that when I said yes to God, my yes said that whatever you want to do in my life, you can use me. I'm here to tell you that God just simply wants to use you. Is there a Moses in the room? Is there somebody in the room that's saying, God, I know that I'm still here for a reason. I know that you didn't let life take me out. I should have been standing on a corner talking to a pole. I pass by streets and I see people standing there talking to a pole. Some of us have gone through the same things that other people have gone through, but God didn't let you lose your mind. God didn't let the devil take you out. The reason why he didn't let him take you out is because there is an anointing, a call upon your life an assignment upon your life and God wants to use you if I say nothing else in the room today I'm talking to a room that God is saying I want to use you I want to use you I want to be glorified through your life I want to heal somebody through your hands I want to call somebody to be saved through your testimony some of us have had testimonies my wife she was born with leukemia the doctor told my wife that she would never be able to live long enough to be a teenager told her mom and if she did she would never have children we've got three beautiful children lost one but we've got three beautiful children I've got grandbabies because even though that was factual in the mouth of the doctor, in the mind, and in the heart of God, he says, they're an assignment that's resting upon this woman. I need her to look real cute one day because when this dude, Johnny Thompson, comes to school, he's going to look over at you, and he's going to want to hit up on you, and he's going to have a Mac attack, and he's going to want to get to know you. And when he gets to know you, he's going to find out that your mama makes you go to church, and then your mama is going to take you to church, and because he wants to be good with your mama, he's going to go to the church with you you, and when he gets to the church, he's going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and one day he's going to lift his hands with tear and snot coming out of his face and give his life to God, and here I am today, Sanctuary LA, it was because God used somebody and didn't let the devil take them out, you're still here because God wants to use you, you are on holy ground. Holy ground is not a place. Holy ground is not geography. Holy ground is any place that the power and spirit of God is. We're on holy ground this morning, not because we're at 1516 East 1st Street. We're on holy ground because there are people in the room that have allowed God to usher his presence into a room. We've opened up our mouth. We've said, God, we know that you attach yourself to our praise. And so we open our mouths and we praise you. We know, God, that you're attracted to praise. And so because you're attracted to praise, we come into the room and we lift up our hands. We forget about everything, save the stillness of your presence in a place. We worship you and we adore you. We exalt you and we extol you. Give me a couple of more minutes. And so you're standing on holy ground. It is the place where the presence of God dwells. And it's the place where God has a meeting with a man. He has a meeting with Moses. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to wait to get to the church on a Sunday morning to have a meeting with God. You can have a meeting with God, man, in the, in the confines of your car. I promise you, man, that my Hyundai is saved, sanctified, and filled. I preach to my car every day, man. My steering wheel's got to hear me preach the gospel. And I don't just preach it to my car, but I practice the presence of God in my car. I practice the presence of God in my house. What you see as you see me standing here right now, this is not just something I do on a Sunday morning. This is my life. I do this every single day of my life. I live at the intersection of my faith in my life. They're not two separate things. It's one thing. I love God with all of my heart. My heart's desire is to have God to use me and to be glorified in my life and through me. And I try to encourage people, to challenge people, to understand that God wants to use you. And yes, life gets hard, but there's bone in your wings. God's going to get you through every area of your life. And I've discovered that it's not the places of celebration that make you and frame you and shape you for what God wants you to be. It's the difficult times. It's the uncomfortable time. Anybody going through an uncomfortable time? I don't need to know what it is. Amen. But at one point in everybody's life, they go through times that are uncomfortable. They go through times, and sometimes, and I don't mean uncomfortable because it's a money situation. Sometimes it's just God pricking you and dealing with your heart and making you uncomfortable with your comfort. Sometimes it's God saying, I want to take you to another level, and I need you to get uncomfortable to do that. Sometimes it's God saying that I want to use you, but you're saying, God, I don't, know. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to cross that T. I don't know how to dot that I, but God is saying, I'm not calling you to know anything. I just need a yes from you. If you give me a yes, I'll release power and anointing and victory in your life, and I'll use you to reach somebody else. Holy ground is the place where you and God meet I surrounded myself with people that had meetings with God. They weren't perfect, but they had meetings with God. How do you know they had meetings with God? Because I would watch demons be cast out of people. I would watch people that were given up to die live and breathe again. I know people that 20 years ago they were given up to die and they're still living today. Because the hand of God is yet resting in lives of people. And so I'm hoping that I'm not just talking to a house that wants to be blessed. God bless me, bless my four, bless, bless my four and don't bless no more. Let it be about me. It's not about me. It's about God using you and touching you and turning your life so that he can reach somebody else. It's really about reaching somebody else. Somebody say, Lord, use me. And so Moses has a crazy life. And so God says to Moses, I want to use you. The first 40 years of Moses' life, Moses is living in the palace thinking that he's somebody. The next 40 years of Moses' life, he's in the wilderness thinking that he's nobody. He has an encounter with God. And the last 40 years of Moses' life, he discovers that God can use somebody thinks he's nobody and God uses him because the enemy would say, but you're nobody. You don't have any degree. Look at where you've come from. You're not the best of them. You're just the rest of them. The devil is a liar. And the reason why he tries to convince you that God can't use you and the reason why he tries to make you think that look at your past. Look at what you've gone through. Look at what you go through. Look at what goes on through your mind. I don't know about you. I know you're more anointed than I am. But let me tell you, there are those times that I get on my face, and I'm asking God for something, and something crazy just runs through my mind. You ever been there? You ever say, God, I worship you, I love you, I adore you, I magnify you, I honor you, I give you glory, I give you praise, I give you adoration, I bless your name, I extol you, I exalt you, you're all God, you're all good. And all of a sudden, something just kind of runs through your mind that don't have God attached to it anywhere. That's because you're human. That's because you are experiencing holy humanness. I cannot unplug my flesh. I have to learn how to overcome my flesh. I have to learn how to tell myself no. I have to learn how to deny myself. I have to, like Paul said, crucify my flesh. He says that I discipline myself. I beat my body. I make it my slave. Why do you do that, Pastor Johnny? So that God can get the glory out of my life. You have to learn how to get yourself out of the way. Moses gets himself out of the way. God says that I want to use you. He said, I've heard the cry of my people, and I have come down. He says, I have come down, but I'm going to use you to do it. Could it be possible that God gave you birth because heaven had a problem that he needed you to deal with? Can I give you word? Manoah, Samson's father, the angel comes to Manoah and says, Samson is going to be born. He says, when he's born, he can't drink everything like everybody else. He says, he can't touch things like everybody else touches everything. He says that, do not cut his hair. He said, Samson is going to begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. He says that, I've heard the cry of the Philistine people, and I am going to use Samson because heaven's got a problem that it needs Samson to deal with. Can it be that God gave you birth and didn't let you die and that you're still here filled with the joy of the Lord because God says there is a problem that I need to deal with and I'm going to use you, Moses, to deal with it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Could it be possible that the reason why the car, when it flipped over, didn't kill you because heaven has an issue that it needs you to deal with? And so the car couldn't kill you. Could it be that you went through an abusive situation and you should have lost your mind, but heaven said, I can't let her lose her mind because I've got an issue that I need her to deal with? Isn't it amazing that God's level of thinking toward you is that incredible? that he says the reason I saved you was not just to give you fire insurance so that you can miss hell when you die, but I saved you so that I can get an issue delivered and yoked, destroyed through you. Where is Moses in the room today? Could it be possible? Could it be possible, Manoah, that your son was born so that heaven can deal with an issue Could it be possible that you were born to deal with an issue that heaven has assigned you for? Can I encourage you with this? Get on holy ground. You don't have to wait to come to church. You don't have to wait for Pastor Sean to call a fast. You don't have to wait for 7 o'clock Sunday morning prayer meeting. Your holy ground can be in your bathroom. Your holy ground can be in your bedroom. Your holy ground could be anywhere where you invite and invoke and provoke the presence of God into a place, into a space where you practice his presence, where you kick your shoes off, Jennifer, because you're on holy ground, because you know that, listen, I have got to approach God a certain way because I want him to use me a certain way. See, others may, but I may not. And I've I've come to that conclusion. Others may do all kinds of stuff and it may not even be sin, but there's some things that God's not going to allow me to do Because he knows that there is a kind of anointing that he wants to release in my life And I cannot just do any and everything that everybody else do and it has nothing to do with sin It has to do with me being separated and consecrated and even though sometimes as a young Christian I would go into places man and I would feel like a giant eyeball because I was the only one that wouldn't drink him I was the only one that wouldn't smoke him I was the only one that after church that wasn't sitting at a table had having a cigarette and it would make me feel like a giant eyeball and then what would even crush it even more that somebody would come to me and say I can't really stand nobody that think that they so holy and it's like I'm not trying to be like that I just know that there's something on my life I just know that there is something on my life that God wants to get the glory out of my life and so others can do you but I'm going to do God I'm not even going to do me I'm going to do God because I know that there's people whose lives are in the balance and God wants to deliver them if you learn how to live on holy ground I didn't even go the way I wanted to go but I just went the way God wanted me to go God will use you I've seen dead people come back to life twice it has nothing, to, I, I get no brownie points for that. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with my yes. I went into a hospital with a 12-year-old girl. I met her parents on a Thursday evening. They didn't speak English. They just said that my daughter is in a hospital. And they told me what the daughter's name was i left that night on the thursday night and early on saturday morning it was like the lord just put it in my heart and in my mind to get up out of my bed at 3 30 in the morning and find that girl i got up and i went to the phone and i just start calling every hospital that was in the orange county area and i said i'm looking for the name i only had the first name i didn't even have her last name and i said i'm looking for this young lady Is she in intensive care? One hospital said, no, we don't have anyone here by the name. I called another hospital. They said, no, we don't have anyone by their name. I called seven different numbers. The last number I called, they said, yes, she's here. I get up out of my bed. I didn't even tell my wife where I was going. It's about 3.30, 4.30 in the morning. I put my clothes on. I put on a hat. I look like a Ghostbuster. I have on a big leather jacket. I walk into the hospital at that time of the morning. They ask me no questions. I didn't tell them that I was a pastor. I didn't tell them that I was a man of God because whenever God wants to use you, he'll open up a door. You won't have to report or, or, or identify yourself to anybody. You'll find yourself just walking in. And in fact, nobody is at the reception table. I go up to ICU. And when I get there, she is tubed all the way up. She is comatose. She's 12 years old. The father has no idea what's wrong with her. They said she's been in this hospital for 30 days and the doctors have no clue what's wrong with her. She's incubated. She's got tubes in her stomach. She's got tubes on the side of her. She's got tubes even in her nose even while she's incubated. She is jacked all the way up. She is extremely pale. I walk into the room and I know I'm talking to a father that cannot speak English. And I tell him that I've got oil. I've got oil. I said, I'm going to anoint her with oil. And I'm telling him, even though he can't speak English, I'm saying that the Bible says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint her with oil and pray the prayer of faith and God will raise her up. I said, I'm going to put oil on her and I'm going to put oil on your hands. I put oil on his hands. And I said, I want you to rub. And I took his hands and I said, just rub it across her body. And I laid my hands on her head. And I said, God, I'm just simply here to do what your word says do. I'm not the healer, but you are. I prayed for her. I turned around, jumped in my car, went home. It was still dark, got right back in the bed. I felt led to go see her the next Saturday. This is a Saturday morning, early, early in the morning. The next Saturday, I do the same thing. I get up very early in the morning. I get to the receptionist desk, and I said, I'm here to see so-and-so. The receptionist looks and says, she's not here. I said, what do you mean she's not here? I mean, did she die? Says, no, 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 she's not here. She is the miracle child that everybody was talking about. In a coma for 30 days, incubated, looking like death. From Saturday to Thursday they said she left here Thursday morning I said you mean to tell me she came right out of ICU out of a coma and you guys sent her home they didn't send her from ICU to some sort of facility so she can be helped she got well so quickly the power of God hit that young girl so seriously that just four days later she was gone from the hospital they said, she's the miracle child. She's, she, she, she's the 12-year-old, right? I said, yes, she's the 12-year-old. She says that she's the one that she got healed practically overnight. They sent her home. Listen, no brownie points for me. I just simply said yes. And when Moses said yes in a place where there was holy ground, God released him and the children of Israel were released from the taskmaster in Egypt. And I'm not trying to shout anybody. I'm hoping that I can give you a firm word that God would take it and use it to shape you and to frame you and to form you to understand that you are the one that he wants to use. The question is, is can he use you? He stood before Moses and had a conversation because he's a speaking God. He still talks. The question is, are we talking to him? Because when we have a conversation, I promise you, he's got something that he would love for you to do. It might be feeding somebody. It might be clothing somebody. It might be going to a hospital. Let me pray for you, man. It might be going to a hospital. Let me pray for you. It might be going to a hospital. And standing a week later to say, God just did a miracle. There's a great anointing on you, man. Yeah, you're that giant eyeball that I was feeling like. You're not average. You're not average. You're not average. And never let anybody frame you to be who they think that you should be. For you have the kind of anointing that will teach you. Gather the wisdom of men. Gather around a corner crew those that are in your corner that will applaud you, those that are in your corner that will tell you to look out for the left, look out for the right. There is a kind of anointing upon you that cannot be resisted. Thank you for listening to the message. If you've been encouraged and inspired, give us a great review and share it with a friend today. Also, if you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our powerful weekend gatherings. For more info and directions, follow us at My Sanctuary LA. Be blessed.